Hey, open up your Bibles to John chapter 4. John chapter 4. Thank you again for that gift card. It was my birthday. I was born in um, the 1980s, somewhere in there. John chapter 4. Okay, real quick. Just got permission to do one that guy. Yeah. One that guy. I, I, okay, seriously, I need some more, something more than that. I need something more than that. I, I just said I'm doing a that guy. Okay. Okay. This is, uh, I think this is Lacey Hoosier. That guy that commentates during movies. That commentates during movies. Are there any of those guys here tonight? Don't be that guy. Or that girl. My gosh. Or are you that, are you that guy that like, you feel like you have to give the end of the message? Or the end of the movie, before the movie's over? <laughs> All right. John chapter 4. John chapter 4. You there? For show. How many excited tonight? I'm excited tonight. I encourage you to engage your heart. God is wanting to take us somewhere tonight. So for those of you who um, want to go deeper and more intimate with the Lord, he's wanting to do that too. John chapter 4, verse 3, it reads like this. He, who's he? Oh my goodness. Reed, help me, bro. Where's everybody at tonight? Come on, you got to get more engaged than that. Who's he? Gabriel, how am I supposed to know? Well, you're supposed to know because two verses before it said Jesus and then the next verse, it said Jesus. So it says, he, who's he? <laughs> Come on, he, who's he? Okay, so he left Judea and departed again to Galilee. Judea is the furthest uh, south part of, of uh, Israel, and uh, Galilee is the furthest north. So he's, he's going on about a three-day journey. That makes sense? So he's left Judea, and he's heading to Galilee. But he needed to go through uh, Samaria. Now you understand something that uh, in this culture, you may know this, but I'm just for the set of context, just to set the context here real quick. Uh, in their culture, Jews did not associate, and we'll read that in a minute, and they didn't have any relational dealings with the Samaritans. So those Jews, those people, the children of God, uh, separated themselves with Samaritans. Samaritans, uh, 450 years before this time, had a conflict with uh, the children of God. What happened was, just to tell you real quick, what happened was um, the Assyrians, a group came in and took over the city and the town and the area of Samaria. And when they did that, when they came and took over the area of Samaria, they took about 90% of the people out of Samaria and put them in about four other different nations and, and places and people groups. And they left a good percentage of them there. And then they sent their own people into that land. And so they mixed the people. Does that make sense? 
And so what happened in that time was that the people, the Jews who were in Samaria, began to intermarry with the other nations, with Gentiles, with those who were not God-fearing people. And so because they did that, because they intermarried, God told them not to do that for years, and that was one of his uh, commandments that he gave them. When you go into the promised land, don't intermarry with the other people. Well, they ended up doing that. They ended up intermarrying with the other people groups. Bad juju. Don't do that. What does that mean for us today? Don't get married to somebody who's not a believer. Be equally yoked, the Bible says. Okay, and so they say don't. He says don't do that. They do it anyway. So all the Jews isolate them. And they said because you do that, you're no longer our people anymore. You're no longer with us. We're against you. So for 450 years, this had been escalating year after year after year. I mean, they even got in wars. Uh, one time the Samaritans built a temple. And in, in A.D. 128, the temple was destroyed because the Jews came and destroyed their temple. Because the Samaritans said, this is where we're supposed to worship. And the Jews said, mm-mm. And so they came and they had this big battle and they destroyed their temple. So they ended up rebuilding another temple and we'll hear about that in a second. But does this make sense? Because they chose to intermarry with other people, the Jews separated from these other groups of people, the Samaritans. And so because of that, they would never, when people would travel from Judea to Galilee, they normally would pass through Samaria. Samaria was right dead in the middle of Israel. And so they'd normally have to pass through. So what they did instead is they literally went over to the east and they crossed over the Jordan River and they went up on the east side of the Jordan River and crossed back up over and went up to Galilee, which was an extra three days. It took them a total of six days if they went that journey just to get around these people. Doesn't that sound like they hated them or something? They could not stand these people. You with me? You with me? So the Bible says that Jesus needed to go through Samaria, which that makes sense because in their culture, that's what they did. People would normally go through unless they were Jew. If they were Jew, they would not go through Samaria. They would go around and take the extra few days. But Jesus, because he wanted to get to Galilee quickly, he goes through Samaria. You with me? Okay, so he came to a city of Samaria, which is called Sakar, near the plot of ground that Jacob gave to his son, Joseph. Now Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being wearied from his journey, sat thus by the well. It was about the sixth hour. So he came to a city of Samaria, which is called Sakar, near the plot of ground that Jacob gave to his son, Joseph. Uh, he comes to this place. He comes to a well, which we just read. This is about half a mile from the city. The sixth hour is noon, hottest time of the day. People usually got water in the morning or late at night when the sun was at the lowest place and they could still see. Does that make sense? So people never would travel and go all the way up that hill to go get water during the middle time of the day unless they're trying to get away from people. Okay, so the middle of the day, noon, the hottest time of the day, Jesus sits down at this well. We read here in verse uh, 6. The Bible says that Jesus, therefore, being wearied from his journey, sat thus by the well. It was about noon. They said sixth hour because their days started at 6 a.m., and so the sixth hour would be noon. Okay. A woman of Samaria came to draw water. So this woman from Samaria comes up to draw water noon. She says to Jesus, give me a drink. Sorry, Jesus said to her, give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. Then the woman of Samaria said to him, how is it that you, being a Jew, 
ask a drink from me, a Samaritan woman, for Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. We just got done laying down context, right? Jews didn't deal. That word deal does not mean they didn't do like, like they wouldn't trade like corn for pickles or they wouldn't train cattle uh, for penguins. It just meant that they wouldn't eat together. They wouldn't sit down together. They would probably exchange foods and things as well. But things that they wouldn't do is they wouldn't drink from the same drink. They wouldn't drink from the same water pot. They would not sit down together. They would not even look at each other. So they had no dealings with Samaritans. So Jesus answered and said to her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is who says to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him. and He would have given you living water. The woman said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where then do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob? This well is about 100 feet deep. She looks at Jesus, and Jesus apparently didn't have his well and his water pot. Normally, when people would travel, they would carry a big, long rope made from goat hair, crazy, and they would take these water pots, and they would, when they would come across a well, they'd throw it down there, and they'd pull up some water. Well, Jesus didn't have nothing, so this girl's like, what are you talking about? This well's over 100 feet deep, and you have nothing to draw with, because she's thinking naturally Jesus is speaking here spiritually, right? Right, right, right. Okay, my goodness, Lord, help me. Okay, are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well? So Jacob is the one who dug this well. His people dug this well, and so he's saying, how, she's saying, so you're telling me that you have water better than Jacob. That's what you're telling me. Are you greater than our father, Jacob? Jacob was Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, right? Abraham's son, Isaac. Isaac had a son, Jacob, right? Jacob dug a well. She's saying, you're crazy crackhead. You don't know what you're talking about. What are you talking about? Jesus says, whoever drinks of this water will thirst. So the water that she's speaking of, she's going to thirst again if you drink it. But whoever drinks the water that I shall give him will never thirst. But the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. The woman said to him, Sir, key word, she says sir, insinuating that she doesn't see that he's Jesus, the Lord. She doesn't see he's Christ. She doesn't see that he's God. She just sees that he's a rabbi. He's a Jewish man. So she calls him sir because she says it out of respect. Sir, give me this water that I may not thirst, nor come here to draw. In other words, she's saying, I want this water. I don't want everyone to come back to this place to get water again. So she says, Jesus, I'm thirsty. I want that water. What does she say to her? He says, go, call your husband and come here. That's interesting, isn't it? She just asked for that water. In other words, she asked for salvation. Jesus says, go get your husband. Well, Gabriel, the reason why was because in the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve were together and so to restore this relationship. They need, no, that's not true. That's not what was happening. What was happening was Jesus was speaking to her and asking her for something. Go call your husband and come back here. The woman answered and said, I have no husband. <laughs> I have no husband. Jesus said to her, You have well said that I have no husband, for you have had five husbands. And the one whom you now have is not even your husband. And that you spoke truly, truly. You're telling me part of the truth. You've had five husbands. And the dude you're with now isn't even your husband. The woman said to him, Sir, I perceive that you're a prophet. 
Sir, I understand that you just told me my whole life. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain. Let me say this real quick. We have to understand, this girl has been married how many times? Five times. Now, in their culture, if you got divorced once, <laughs> it, doesn't say that, it doesn't say they died. It just says she got married five times. Jesus is insinuating and showing us that this girl was not the cream of the crop. <laughs> she was not the most pure girl. She was not, she didn't have it all put together. She didn't grow up in a Christian family and didn't do anything wrong. She wasn't one of those girls. She was one of those girls that just got married five times, had multiple husbands, and actually the guy that she was with right now wasn't even her husband. So not only was she a Samaritan, meaning Jews didn't talk with Samaritans, not only was she a woman, which rabbi men in those days, if they saw a woman in public, they would cover their eyes. They began to call rabbis, bleeding rabbis and bleeding prophets because they would literally cover their eyes when they'd see a woman. They'd walk into walls and buildings and stuff. <laughs> That's literally what they did. So here's Jesus sitting down with a Samaritan who Jews had no dealings with and a woman, and he's talking with her. He just asked her for a drink. She's, she's freaking out. And then she just gets done telling him that she has, sorry, he, she didn't even say nothing. She just said, I don't have a husband. He said, you're right. You're committing adultery right now, and you've had five husbands. She's like, dang, you're right. You must be a prophet. Then she gets all religious, you know. She's like, well, speaking of prophet, our fathers worshipped on this mountain. She points to a mountain. This mountain is called Mount Gerizim. Mount Gerizim was a mountain you can study. It's in the Old Testament. But Mount Gerizim was a mountain where they, the Samaritans, put their temple to worship God. She said, our fathers worshipped on this mountain, which isn't true, actually. They didn't worship on that mountain. They actually worshipped on another mountain, but... Regardless, she says, our fathers worship on this mountain, and you Jews say that in Jerusalem, which is where it came from, is the place where one ought to worship. So there's two mountains. There's Mount Gerizim, and there's Mount uh, Zion, which is where they ended up and chose to worship. The Jews would worship on one mountain. Ebal is another one they called it. And then Mount Gerizim was where these Samaritans were trying to worship. And so she says, look, I, hear, I see your prophet. Let's talk about worship. I see that you're a prophet. I'm realizing that you're a prophet and you're knowing my junk, so we, we, need, to, we, we need to figure out how I can make this amends. I need to figure out how I can fix this stuff up. He says, woman, believe me, the hour is coming when you will neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We know what we worship, for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour is coming, and now, say now, and now is when the true worshipers, say true, the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking, say seeking. Isn't that crazy, God's seeking somebody? The Father is seeking such to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. Let's pray. Father, tonight, we thank you so much for your mercies, God. We thank you that you have sought us out, God, that you love us, God, that you embrace us, 
God, help us tonight. Teach us tonight on how we can become more intimate with you. God, you're drawing us closer. Forgive us, God, for ignoring your drawing. God, teach us how tonight. We want to draw close to you. Teach us how to do that very thing. Lord God, thank you for your anointing in this place. And I thank you, God, as I preach from your word, that, God, we will all be changed. And you will bring understanding. And we're going to have a good time tonight because of your great grace upon us. We look with expectation. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I'm really... uh, I'm really selfish when it comes to certain things. And one of those things is drinking and eating food. If you ask me to borrow a t-shirt, I'll let you borrow a t-shirt. You ask me a pair of socks, I'll give you a pair of socks. As long as they fit you. You ask me a pair of shoes, I'll give you a pair of shoes if you wear a size 13. But if you ask me for a french fry, that's where we just, we draw the line. <laughs> my wife knows this. Baby, I love you, but when it comes to my pizza, from Moose's Tooth, I'll let you have a bite, but you got to let me have a bite of yours. You know what I'm talking about. <clears throat> I'm not one of those good husbands that just lets my wife eat, <clears throat> and I don't get anything back. <clears throat> that lets her eat my food and I don't get anything in return. You know what I'm talking about? Like, I'm not one of those guys that, that is okay with you just eating off my plate. And I'm not one of those guys that when you eat off my plate, that I don't say something about it. I say something about it. Like, I'll let you know. You just ate off my plate. Give me your whole pizza or something, you know. <laughs> or, or I'll think this. Now, I literally, this is really bad. This is really bad. I literally will do this. If you eat off my plate, I'll begin to see how much you ate off my plate and think about how much you owe me because you just ate off my plate. And think they just ate about one twelfth of my food. One twelfth, nine dollars. Okay, Lord help me. Seventy five cents. <laughs> That's just how I do things. Reed, I I really respect Reed. You know he he's one of those husbands that that just gives food to his wife, and I bless him for it. You know, and I look up to him in that way and respect him, but. You know, that's one of those things that I just will never, never, keyword, <clears throat> never. <laughs> when I'm at Kreiner's Diner, <laughs> anybody eaten at Kreiner's Diner before? <laughs> new place, <clears throat> new place. You can give me a $100 gift card at Kreiner's next year. I'm just kidding. <laughs> but I love Kreiner's Diner. They have this burger. They don't just call it Andy's Burger. They call it Andy's Awesome Burger because it's awesome. It's one of those burgers when you eat it, you just go, ah. Oh. It really is that good. There's, there's a few of you. I'm, I'm feeling the leather Lord right now to take there. I'm going to take you there one of these days. Just, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm, feeling, I'm feeling it, though. I'm about to take a few of you to go get, a, get an Andy's Awesome Burger. And when my burger gets set on that table, there ain't no way. Like, seriously, there was one time I sat down with Seth. And, bro, I haven't even told this to you yet, though. I was jealous. They set his plate on the table, and then they set my plate on the table, and he had literally, I do not exaggerate, and you may think I'm an exaggerator, the devil's a liar, I'm just telling you the truth. He had literally read twice as many french fries as me. Twice. I looked up at that waitress, I was like, 
For real? <laughs> Twice. He didn't even finish him. That's the worst part about the whole deal. And he didn't even finish his burger. <clears throat> hey, man, I'm just, I'm offended by that, man. I'm offended. It's a lot of food. I know, and I didn't get enough. That's the, that's the, that's the bad part. But I, I kind of have this rule. Ash and I have this rule when we sit down somewhere. You know, if she, if she gets a drink, then I'll think, okay, well, well, <clears throat> I'm thinking to myself, if I get some of her drink, then I'll, I'll let her have some of my drink, you know. Or if I get a piece of pizza or, or, like, I order a pizza and she gets a salad at Moose's Tooth, I think to myself, okay, well, I'll, I'll take, like, a quarter of her salad and she can have a few bites of my pizza. I just, I'm like, hey, what are you getting? Oh, don't even get that. No, don't get that. That's weird. Okay, yeah, get that. That's a good one right there. Because I'm thinking to myself that eventually she's going to ask for a bite of my pizza or a drink from my drink. And so I established these reasonable rules. And these reasonable rules are drink for a drink, bite for a bite. You with me? You know, the crazy thing is God relates to us in this way. God relates to us in this same way. I must be like God. I'm just kidding. That's horrible. But there's some type of of thing happening in me where I just represent uh, a, a personality and a character trait of the Lord. Where if somebody wants something from me, I say, well, you got to give something back. And now you got to understand, I'm not saying that for you to get saved or give your life to the Lord or to, to get saved and to go to heaven that you have to give something to the Lord. I'm not saying that. What I am saying is that once you're a child of God, if you want to drink, if you want to be filled if you want to be satisfied, if you want the depths of your hearts quenched, then there's something that God asks for you. My message tonight is a drink for a drink. A drink for a drink. A drink for a drink. This woman comes to this well in the middle of the day. She's an outcast for society. She intentionally comes at noon when, when, when nobody else would be expected to be there. And she shows up. There's this old rabbi sitting there. And right when she walks up, he asks her this crazy question that Jews would never ask, and neither would a man ask another girl unless they were going to take her out on a date or something. He just didn't do this. And if you're going to take on a date, you're probably just considered a jokester sinner. So people just didn't do this. And this woman walks up and she sees Jesus. And Jesus asks her this question. Or really, he just he asks of her for something. He says, give me a drink. Give me a drink. And she starts rambling. She's like, what are you talking about? Well, you don't have... You know, what? Give me a drink. I'm a, I'm a Samaritan woman. Why are you asking me for a drink? He's like, look, 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 look. If you knew who I was, you'd have asked me for a drink. Because I have this water inside of me. I have this water to offer you that when you drink it, you'll be satisfied. 
hey, girl, I understand something before you even tell me. I know that you're that girl that's been casted out of your society. I also know that you're that girl from that people group called Samaritans that have been neglected from the house of Israel, that have been neglected from the Jewish family. I know that you're that girl that's coming up here at noon because you don't want anybody to see you. I know something, girl. You're really thirsty. I know you're desperate. I know your heart is longing. You know, you know the unique thing about all human beings is that we all carry one primary thing in common is that we are all void of something. We all long for intimacy. We all yearn for affection. We all cry for the depth of our heart to be satisfied. Jesus didn't need to be a prophet to know that this girl was crazy. He knew something was wrong if she came at 12 o'clock. There's something that we all hold in common here tonight. It's that we're all thirsty. You may not know how to fully express it, but I promise you, you are thirsty. And you're longing for some satisfaction and fulfillment in your heart. You know, we, 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 do, we, do, we do crazy things when we're thirsty. We run to a human being, which... which which I think that in some regards can be healthy, but when we're thirsty, we run to, to some, uh, uh, somebody of the opposite gender. And, and I'm not saying that that's wrong in any way. What I'm saying is that if your thirst and your need to be filled, only God can fill and only God can satisfy, then you're running to the wrong well. Somebody say amen. You're running to the wrong well. Well, this girl was running to the wrong well. And you know the crazy part about this whole thing is? Jesus asked her for a drink. He knew she was thirsty, and he asked her for a drink. Jesus knew that this girl had all these things going on in her life, that she had been neglected, that she had been forsaken, that she had been considered an outcast, that she had all these dealings with her heart. She had all these dreams and hopes and desires and yearnings and sinful things that were going on with her that she had been identified with. He knew all that about her, and he asked her for a drink. We might think he's selfish. But the crazy part is Jesus asked her for a drink, and it wasn't necessarily for him. It was for her. He says, he says, give me a drink. And she says, why are you asking me for a drink? Jesus goes, <clears throat> if you knew who I was, you'd ask me for a drink. She goes, I want some of this water. He goes, he goes if you had known who I was, I would have given you living water and you'd never thirst again. And she's thinking to herself naturally again, naturally. She's thinking, well, I want that water. I don't ever want to thirst. I don't want to ever come back to this well again. She wasn't thinking spiritually. She wasn't thinking, man, give me that eternal life water. When he said living water, we understand as Christians he meant the Holy Spirit dwelling inside of her and welling up out of her. But in their culture, when Jesus said living water, 
He also could have meant, which he didn't mean, but in her eyes, he could have meant a water that just keeps flowing. Because you have to understand, this well that they went to was not a water, it was not a, a source of water that continued to flow. It wasn't a water that, that there was a river filling it. It was a water that, that, that kind of all pooled together. It was one of those waters, it was one of those wells that just sat there. Just all kind of, when it rained, it'd fill up. But it wasn't, it wasn't water that continued to fulfill and, 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 and was, was continually filled up by a river that, that was giving its resource to it. Does that make sense? And so when Jesus says to her, I'll give you this running water, she's thinking to herself, well, dang. One, it's going to be clean because it's running. And two, I won't ever have to come back. Yeah, I want that water, she says. She's thinking to herself, I want that water. I, I want that water. But see, it's almost as if Jesus is kind of like, okay, okay, go get your husband. It's almost like she was saying I'm thirsty for natural water, but what she was really saying was I'm thirsty for spiritual water. It's almost as if Jesus just kind of like blew that, blew that a thought. Because think about, remember the story of Jesus and Nicodemus. Nicodemus comes, so you must be born of water and the Spirit to enter the kingdom of heaven. He goes, what are you talking about? I've got to be born again. I've got to go back into my mother's womb. You're crazy, Jesus. Jesus has to break it down for him. The same things happen here. Jesus talking spiritual. She's thinking natural. Jesus goes, all right, whatever, whatever. Let's go get your husband. Because she did, she did admit that there was some thirst in her heart. She admitted that. She admitted that she was thirsty because she said, I want that water. I don't want to thirst again. I don't want to keep coming back to this well. Paul getting sunburned stuff, looking like some of us. We don't wear sunscreen the summer. <laughs> Reed? Uh, he said, yeah, Ray Walt. And he asks her for a drink. Does anybody else think that's crazy? Go get your husband. Go get your husband. This is, listen, listen. This is Jesus asking for a drink again. You with me? You with me? He came, he opened up saying, give me a drink. She, she misunderstood the whole thing. He told her all this thing. She goes, I'm still thirsty. He says, okay, go get your husband. This was him asking her, tell me your life story. I want a drink from your well. I want you to tell me your life story. You're thirsty? Okay. Tell me your life story. You're thirsty? Go get your husband's. He says husband, and she's like, I, I don't have a husband. Because you're right. You're telling the truth about that. You have five husbands, and the one you're with now, you're not even married with. Do you, do you see what just happened? What just happened was Jesus, in that moment, asked her again for a drink. What Jesus did in that moment was he was trying with simple questions to draw her heart out. He wanted her to tell him her story. And he knew she was the one that was thirsty.
Gabriel, I'm thirsty. Gabriel, I lay down in bed at night. Sometimes I cry. Gabriel, I did this thing to my brother or my sister the other day. And I feel so guilty, but I don't know what to do with it. So I just, I come to worship service. I come to worship service. And I don't, I don't know how to, I don't, I don't know what to do. I feel, I feel guilty. I have all these thoughts on my heart. I'm really, really desperate for them to be fulfilled, but I don't know what to do with it. You know, if you keep on reading the story, which we just did, this girl told him her sinful things. She told him her desires. She told him her needs. She told him her longings. She told him her dreams. She told him her hopes. She said, one day the Messiah is coming. One day Jesus is coming. She didn't even know who it was. Was talking to her. She pours out her whole heart to Jesus. She pours out her whole heart to Jesus. Because he asked her for a drink. We come thirsty to church. We come thirsty to school. We wake up thirsty. We drive alone in our car, thirsty. Gabriel, what does thirsty mean? You feel lonely. Gabriel, what, what, what the heck does thirsty mean? You feel lonely. You need somebody to be with you. What does thirsty mean? You just want somebody to recognize you. Gabriel, what the heck does thirsty mean? You just want somebody to say something nice about you. Gabriel, what the heck does thirsty mean? You're dealing with all these sinful issues, but you're keeping it in. You haven't told anybody about it, so you're desperately thirsty because you're keeping yourself in a place of wilderness. You're keeping yourself in a place of dry ground because you have not allowed those things in your heart to be poured out unto the Lord. What does thirsty mean? It means you're hurt, but you don't tell anybody about it. What, is, what does thirsty mean? It means you're really sad, but you don't know how to express it. It means you're really afraid of something, but you don't know how to deal with it. It means you're really guilty, but you don't know how to deal with that guilt. It means you have a void in your heart, and you don't know what to do with it. You with me? You're thirsty. You know, the crazy thing is, this girl starts talking about worship. But you know what she wasn't? She wasn't talking about worship. She was talking about lip service. She wasn't talking about what Jesus talked about worship. Jesus said worship is those who worship in spirit and in truth. Jesus said those who worship express to me from their heart what's definitely truly, authentically happening to them in that moment. But she was talking about another, another, another worship. This is the worship that, that the American church lives in and that most of us 
go to and we think, church is stupid. I don't feel anything. I don't feel like any of my needs have been wanted or sorry, any of my needs have been satisfied. I don't feel like any of my wants have been quenched. I feel like I'm just, nothing's really happening. It's because you're not really worshiping. When I say worship, I'm not saying, you're not singing, I'm not talking about just singing songs. I'm talking about an intimate relationship with the Lord because this girl starts talking about worship. But she was talking about lip service. She was talking about reading something off a page. She was talking about reading a hymn. She was talking about doing the right things and saying the right things. Jesus said, I don't care about that. I don't care where you worship. I want your heart. She comes thirsty, and he says, I want your heart. Give me a drink is what he says. I want your heart. I want your heart. Gabriel, I'm thirsty. The Father seeks those to fill up who worship him in spirit and in truth. Gabriel, I have all these needs, and I have all these longings, and I have all these wants, and I have this issue of guilt, and I have this issue of hurt, and I have this issue of sadness and loneliness. What do I do? I'm thirsty. You can't just stand there and say, Lord, I'm thirsty. Lord, do what you can. Okay, I'm going to sing these songs. I'm going to go home. Nothing happened. Nothing happened because you didn't worship in spirit and truth. Because spirit and truth will look like you fall on your face and saying, God, I'm desperate. I'm hurting. I'm lonely. I did this, 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 this today. I thought about that. I thought about that. I have this really deep longing in my heart. But, Lord, the truth is I just want it for me. I want my own recognition, Lord. When I went to school, I didn't love anybody. I was just thinking about who could love me, who could say something to me. God, I'm so desperate. It's worshiping in spirit and in truth from the depth of your heart heart you don't need lyrics because your heart has lyrics on it already to tell the lord god is desperate for you to give him a drink he said gabriel i want to be filled up well you got to give a drink you got to give a drink to him you know the crazy thing about this story this girl without even knowing it poured out her heart to jesus she didn't even know what happened she didn't even know jesus is the best question asker Adam, Adam, where are you? Where are you, Adam? You know what Jesus was doing? Hey, Adam, tell me what's going on, bro. Where, where are you at? Oh, man, I just was hiding in the bushes, and, and I just, you know, I, I, I sinned, and I'm naked. Who said, that you were, who said that you were naked? Well, I just, who, who told you that? Jesus is walking one day, and he's, Disciples start walking behind him. They're following him, just looking at him. And they're just, they're just walking. And Jesus stops and turns, looking at him, and says, What do you want? Did Jesus really not know what he wanted? Or did Jesus want them to give him a drink? You know, but we come to church and we read stuff off the screen and we sing songs and we leave and we never give him a drink. We wonder why we're desperate. We wonder why we lay in bed at night and we cry. We wonder why we have no longings fulfilled. Because we don't give him a drink. You want a drink? Give me a drink, Jesus says. Because until you open up your heart and pour it out to me, I can't open up my heart and pour it into you. Paul says in Galatians, Galatians chapter 4, verse 9, he says, now that you know God, and it's as if he pauses and he writes this comment, he says, or rather, are known by God. 
Christianity is more about you allowing God to know you personally and intimately than it is about you knowing him. Now, yes, Christianity is all about you knowing him, but you cannot fully know him until you let him know you. Gabriel, but he already knows you. No, he don't. He may know you mentally, but he cannot know you intimately until you pour out your heart to him. You know, the crazy thing is Jesus is leaning up against this well. He's sitting there, leaning up against this well. The disciples go into the city. He's tired. He's weary. It's hot. Crazy. And he ends the story. The Bible says the disciples come back and they say, hey, Jesus, we got food. He says, oh, man, I don't need no food no more. They're thinking, who gave him food? Jesus goes, I got food that you don't even know anything about. Jesus, check this out. Jesus was satisfied with some girl telling him her whole heart. Can you believe that Jesus, that God is actually pleased when we tell him our junk? This girl didn't say she goes to the church every day and worships God. She didn't say that she goes up in the morning, goes down to her knees, into her bedroom, and reads her Bible and prays every day. She didn't say none of that. She said that she had five husbands, and right now she's with a guy who's not even her husband. He still is satisfied. Why? Because man has desperately closed himself off from God, and they give him lip service. The Bible says, prophets write in the Old Testament, your lips praise me, but your heart is far from me. You know what I'm telling you, what I'm talking about right now is, is, is it's, a, it's a really big deal. Because, because, because if we really began to do this, church would look way different. If we really began to do this, you would stop going, well, that's not my personality. My personality isn't, you know, talking. Shut up. You have lips, you have a tongue. Regardless, if you don't talk or cannot talk, because for some horrible circumstance you're mute, you still have a way to express your heart. God is desperate for you to express your heart 